This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. We're going to be talking about diligence. And, and so as I'm talking about diligence, I just want you to look straight ahead. You know, no elbowing. And, and so if you start frowning or scowling or anything, you just give yourself away when I'm talking about stuff like this, okay? And, and so talking about diligence, this is something that, that we all can come up in. Okay? Say, I can come up. I can come up. Diligence. And so the, the, the message, the title tonight is, Until It's Done. Until it's done. So if you would, go with me to Hebrews chapter 6, verses 10 and 12. And I'm going to read out of the New King James Version. And it says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward His name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. So I'm constantly asking God, okay, how can we come up in our relationship with God? How can everybody in this room and everyone watching, how, how can we obtain the promises? Because God wants each and every one of us to walk in His will. He wants every one of us to experience every promise that He has in the Bible. It's not just for some. You know, God isn't up there picking and choosing who He's going to reveal His heart to. God is moved by faith, and He wants to reveal His heart to each and every one of us. He wants each and every one of us to walk in the promises of God. He is a good Father. He has good things for us. He is on our side. He is for us. He's not against us. He wants us to obtain His promises. Say, He wants me... To obtain, his to obtain His promises. So let's look back at this. For God is not unjust to forget your work. God doesn't forget what we do for the kingdom. The word work there, we could spend a whole message on the word work there. Over a thousand times in the Bible you see the word work or ministry or service or labor. Um, that it comes up and the word work means to become. The word work means that you're, you're where you're supposed to be. And it says God doesn't forget when you're working. Now it doesn't say when you're doing a job. There's a difference between us doing a job and there's something different in us doing our work. Our work is what we're created to do. Our work is what we're designed to do. Our work is what we're wired to do. Our work is what we're graced to do. A job is just something you're doing for a paycheck. So if you're in your job, it's important we do what we need to do, right? But find out where your work is, where your passion is, where your desire is, why, where you're, you're wired and graced to be. Find your work. He says, I don't forget when you're in your work. God doesn't forget when you... Why, why is that important? Because it's important for each and every one of us to be in our work because even if you're not called to the ministry and there's only you know there was 12 tribes of Judah only one tribe was called to the ministry the other 11 were called to be kings in the Old Testament so it lets us know there's very few people that are really called to the fivefold offices of ministry the apostle prophet pastor teacher evangelist and so in the Old Testament the the priest would go before God and he would get the vision of God and he would say this is where we're going and this is what God is saying 
And, and there was one tribe that was called to do this. They would declare vision. The kings, they would receive their, their work, their giftedness, their wiring, and they would go out and they would bring the resources to the priests where they could work together to accomplish God's will upon the earth as it is in heaven. And so, businessmen, uh, you being in your work, be doing what you're called and created to do, your assignment is just as important as the ministry offices are. But we've got to work together. And God is calling people to realize how important it is for you to be you. God needs you to be in your work, say work, your area of giftedness, and to succeed at it. Because you're going to be held accountable for you making the money to connect to ministries as they preach the gospel around the world. See, when you're connected to this ministry, it isn't just us reaching the millions of people every week. It's us reaching the people. And every person saved and healed and delivered, that goes to your account. But a lot of times, people just come to church and they don't think that they have any role to play. You have a very important role to play. God needs you to be the best you you can be. God needs you to succeed. God needs you to rise up and operate in your gifts and the way you're wired and, and the way you're, you're gifted. He needs you to discover your passion and your desires and to get in it and be the best you you can be because there's people attached to your gift. Right. So he says, I don't forget when you're in your work. I don't forget the labor of love. Why, why would it be a labor of love? Because when you discover what you're called and created to do, you're not having to make yourself go to work. It's a labor of love. Not only, uh, we're not talking about love and money. We're talking about loving God and loving ourselves enough to be the best us we can be. And in return, money is going to come and you are blessed to be a blessing. So it says, God doesn't forget your work. God doesn't forget your labor of love. God doesn't forget when you're, you're ministering to the saints. Ministry is not just me up here preaching. You know, whenever I was pastoring churches and everything, it, it would um, really disturb religious people that wanted the preacher to do everything. That's not my job to do everything. My job is to equip God's people... And my job is to raise up people that know the heart of God where you know how to use the name of Jesus, you know how to tithe, you know how to pray, you know your power in the name of Jesus for you to go out and to be His hands and feet upon the earth. It's not the preacher's job to do everything. I have my work. My work is I'm before God. I'm diligent before God to hear what God is saying, to become, to deliver what's on His heart for us to mature and develop and grow so you are empowered to go out and do your work so if I were just to pick up the little Reader's Digest or something and pull a little sermonette out, there's no power in that for me to share with you. You know, three poems and a, you know, and a nice little... Mm. That's just going to get your tail kicked. Right? I'm not in this to play church. I'm not in this for us to be religious. I'm not in this for us to be a social club. I, my heart is that each and every one of us stand before God and we know who we are. We know why we're wired the way we're wired. We know why we're gifted the way we're gifted. And we get in our place and we make a difference for the glory of God. God needs us to rise up and be who He's called and created us to be. Right. Say, God does not forget. God does not forget. And let's go on. It says and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister... Now, now notice this, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence. Each one of you. This is God speaking to us. Say, this is God speaking to me. To the full assurance of hope until the end that you do not become sluggish, 
but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You can see some of the definitions of diligence. He says, I desire that each one of you show the same diligence. Now this is God speaking to us. Inspired the writer of Hebrews to say, I desire that each one of you, not just a handful of you, each one of you show the same diligence. Look at the definition of diligence. It means vehemently. It means passionate. It means speedily. It means at dawn. It means early. It means prompt. It means energetic. It means fervent. So God is saying, I desire that each one of you are vehement. Each one of you are passionate. Each one of you do things speedily. Each one do it at dawn. In other words, you do it, you do it early. You don't do it late. He says, I desire each one of you, um, it's early, it's prompt, it's energetic, it's fervent. How, how many people would just succeed in the marketplace if we just applied that right there? We were early and not late. We were full of energy and not lacking. We're, and notice the definition of sluggish. He says, because I don't want you to be sluggish. He says, sluggish means lacking in energy. Inactive, slow, stagnant, dull, slack, apathetic, passive, slow to respond, slothful, to lean idly. Late. He says, I don't want you to be late. I don't want you to be late. Everybody smile. <laughs> this is God saying, I, I don't want you to be sluggish. Now we're talking about how to obtain the promises of God. He says, I need each and every one of you to be full of energy. I need each and every one of you to be fervent. I need each and every one of you to get in your place and be the best you you can be. Do it, do it well and do it now. Give it your all. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto God and not unto man. So we've got to ask, am I diligent or am I sluggish? Now every single one of us have been sluggish at some point in time in our life, right? Every one of us have been lazy. Every one of us have been late. Every one of us have been apathetic. Right? Amen? Amen. But we're not staying there. Say, I'm not staying there. I'm not staying there. I'm coming up because it's going to take diligence. He says, I desire each of you show the same diligence. Diligence. Because we get over into the, the church, into the Christian world, and we have this mindset that, okay, um, everything is, is, is just, uh, I'll do it when I get to it. Or it's okay for God. Or I'll just do it so-so. Or, you know, just whenever I get around to it, I'll get around to it. That's not diligence. Right. No, God wants us to give Him our best. I want you to think about, how, how am I doing? I'll think about how am I doing, you think about how you're doing. In giving God your best. Because a lot of times we think we can be lazy on the outside and we're okay on the inside. Doesn't happen. Now, we're all, we're all a work in progress. We're all on our own journey. Remember, this is not to shut anybody down. This is to call all of us up. So if you're lazy, you just look straight ahead. And you might be saying, well, I'm not lazy. I just like to rest a whole lot. <laughs> I just like to sleep, you know, extra long. <laughs> But this is to call us up. So if I'm lazy or dull or apathetic on the outside, that's an indicator of what I'm truly like on the inside. Because God's Word does a work in me, and then it works in me to the outside. 
So whenever he says, I desire that each of you show the same diligence, I desire each of you show the same energy, I desire each of you show the same passion, I desire each of you, in other words, light a fire and get off your backside and be who you're called and created to be. He says, I desire this is for each of you. If you want to obtain the promises, how many of us want to obtain the promises? Every single one of us, that's why we're here. But a lot of times we want to get God's blessing our way. We want to obtain God's promises our way. We want to do things our way. Isn't that an old song or something? I'll do it my way. Or Burger King or something like that. You know, we'll... <laughs> We, we want to do it our way. We want to bring God down to our level. Listen, true, true servanthood is a serving someone the way they want to be served and not the way we think they should be served. True servanthood is I'm going to serve God the way He tells me to serve Him and not the way I think that He wants me to serve Him. Because we think God's okay with us going to church just on Easter and Christmas. We think God's okay with us. Well, you know, I, this is the only day I get to sleep is on Sunday. You know, God's okay. He understands. You know what God understands? His Word. Everybody smile. And just look straight ahead, remember? He says, I desire that each of you show the same diligence. Remember, we all raised our hand that we want to walk in the promises of God, right? I'm not talking about you doing everything in your own power and your own strength and your own flesh. But I am talking about us becoming everything that God has called and created us to be. Let's keep going. You're like, thank the Lord. Verse 11, notice this, And we desire that each of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Show the same diligence until the end. Until the end of what? Until you see the thing manifest. Until you're walking in the promises of God. Show the same diligence until the end. Find your gift and be diligent. Find your dream and be diligent. Find God's promise and be diligent. D -d -d Learn how to praise and be diligent. Learn how to give and be diligent. We're not triers, we're doers. It's not the triers that get results, it's the doers. He says, I desire that you show this diligence until the end. Until the end of what? Until the end of you becoming who you're called and created to be. Until the end. Say, until the end. You think of your dreams, stay diligent until the end. You find the promise of God and do it until the end. Until the end. Until the end. In other words, you're not just going to get started. You're going to run your whole race. You're going to run your whole course. You're not going to throw in the towel and suck your thumb and pull your ear because it got hard. Until the end, you're going to be able to count on me, God. Until the end, I'm going to keep my mind right, my words right, my heart right. Until the end. If I mess up, I'm going to receive forgiveness. I'm going to get right back in and I'm going to believe God until the end. Say, until the, end. until the end. Verse 12, that you do not become sluggish. Say, that's not me. But imitate those that was so weak. Let's say that again. Say, that's not me. That's, that's better. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Through faith and patience inherit the promises. He says, I desire that each of you show the same diligence. Say, that's me. That you not become sluggish, say, I'm not sluggish. not sluggish. But he says, through faith and patience, you imitate those who are diligent. You imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Some of the definitions of the word patience are, are endurance. And we're going to imitate the people that had endurance and they, they're walking in the promises of God. They, perseverance is another meaning of the word um, patience. Steadfastness. One, one is, is, is long-spirited. That when I, I'm long-spirited, another one is long-tempered. So what's the opposite of long-tempered? Quick. Short-tempered. Quick-tempered. Right? 
We've all had to deal with that at some point in time. So if I'm quick-tempered, I'm not going to walk in the promises of God. If I blow off my handle every little drop of the hat, why is it not okay for me to blow off some steam like that? Why is it not okay for me to run my mouth? Why is it not okay in traffic? Ah, 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 hanging out the window. Ah! Tell them they're number one. I know nobody in here would do that, but... Why, why is that not okay? Because you unplug your faith. Through faith and patience, through faith and persistence, see, we can have faith in the beginning, and we get, we get rolling, and we're fired up in the beginning, but it, what happens if I'm short-spirited? What happens if I'm short-tempered? What happens if I'm not steadfast? If I'm lazy? If I'm sluggish? If I'm apathetic? If I'm late? If I'm dull? If I'm not prompt? What happens? He says, you're not going to obtain the promises. Now this isn't, this is not, <laughs> I'm going to go on. This isn't our opinion. Because see, a lot of times in church we feel like my opinion matters. Because we're raised in a culture in the USA that I get a vote on everything and I'm going to give you a piece of my mind and you probably ought to keep that piece of that mind. You probably need it. <laughs> unless you want to renew it. And then share your mind with us once you're thinking the way God thinks. The only time... Now, now, please please hear me. You matter. You're valuable. Your opinion matters as long as it lines up with God's. Amen. Other than that, my opinion don't matter. That's right. Everybody smile. <laughs> I know that's tough in America, but we're all right. right? We're, we're growing. Say we're growing. Woo, this is fun. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, through faith and patience we inherit the promises. Now, now what happens if we're, if we're unpatient? What happens if we get offended? If, if we're angry? If we're hurt? You know, Mark chapter 4, verses 16 and 17 says, um, when persecution comes because of the Word's sake, or when we get offended in the Amplified, it says, it chokes the Word and doesn't allow the Word to manifest in our life. The word offended, off-ended. We get off because we get hurt or angry and it ends the process of growth in our life. God isn't just wanting us to walk in the promises. He wants us to become everything that He's called and created to be so we can be stewards of the promises. So the Word becomes flesh and dwells among us and so it's going to take diligence. Say diligence. And it's going to take us walking this out until the end. Not just being good starters, but being good finishers. Say until the end. Until the end. Until the end. I'm going to believe God until the end. I'm going, to, I'm going to declare God's Word until the end. I'm going to praise God until the end. Psalms 119, 165. This is a great scripture to get in your heart. I love the truth and I do not get offended. Because Jesus said in the last days many offenses will come. Offense, hurt, anger, pain. God leads us somewhere. We get our feelings hurt and we allow our feelings to drive us away from the very place God has called us to. What is that? That's a lack of patience. We get angry. God, oh, praise God. Bless the Lord. He gave me this job. Oh, bless the Lord. Two weeks later, what happened? Ah, I switched jobs. What happened? Well, he is so mean to me. He was so rude. God didn't say go there if your boss is nice. He didn't say stick it out if your boss is okay and he pats you on the back and he gives you a high five every time he sees you. 
He didn't say go to that church if they do everything the way you think they should do. There are millions of Christians that are saved, but they're out of the perfect will of God because they're offended. They're out of the will of God because they're hurt. They're out of the will of God because they don't stay in the process long enough to receive healing and completion and, and God sends them somewhere and connects them to the right people to bring answers in their life, but then they get their feelings hurt and they separate from the very relationships God has called and created them to connect to. Say, that's not going to be me. You know, it's our choice. Remember, remember the parable of Jesus whenever he was, he was talking in Mark 4 about the different types of ground? He said one was the, the wayside and one was hard ground and one was uh, thorny ground and one was good ground. You know, it's our decision that I'm not going to be a wayside ground. I'm, it's my decision I'm not going to be hard ground. It's my decision I'm not going to let the distractions of this world and anxiety and cares and the, the lust of other things choke the Word of God. It's our decision to be good ground. Say good ground. How many of you want to be good ground? All of us do, because that's where seeds produce. That's where we walk in the harvest of God. That's when the Bible becomes real, is that we've made a decision. I don't care what they say about me. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to release them. I'm going to let them go. I'm not going to get hurt. I'm not going to get offended. I'm not going to get distracted. I'm going to stay focused. Stay, fo stay focused. I'm going to stay focused on the author and finisher of our faith, who is Jesus. Say diligent. 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 How, how are we doing with our diligence? And diligent until the end. Say until the end. Until the end. Until the end. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 6. It says, But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Say to the end. In other words, he's saying hold on to your confidence until it's done. Hold on to your confidence in God, confidence in what God's called and created you to do until it's done. Say, until it's done. Until it's done. Verse 14, For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. He says we partake of, of Christ. We partake of His will. We partake of God's promises if we hold on till the end. Say, until it's done. Hebrews 4.14 Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast the confession of our faith. Let us hold fast our confession. How long? Until the end. Confession, yes, it means to admit that, okay, I sinned, I was wrong. That's one word of confession. Confession also means that, that I say the same thing as... So when I'm having a positive confession or I'm confessing the Word of God, I'm saying I'm going to say what God says until the end. I'm not going to say what God says as long as everything is okay. I'm going to say what God says until the end. I don't care if it looks worse. I don't care if it feels worse. I don't care if things look totally opposite of what God promises. I'm going to hold on to my words until the end. Say until the end. I'm going to keep my confidence until the end. I'm going to hold on to my confession and say what God says until the end. Until the end. Say until the end. I'm going to be diligent until... Until the end. It doesn't matter how hard it is or how difficult it is until the end. Until we see it, until we walk in it, until we hold it, until the end. Say until the end. Until the end. Keep going. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 through 15. 
For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. After he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. After he had patiently endured. After he was persistent. After, I mean, this didn't happen overnight. This took years. This took decades for him to obtain the promises. After he patiently endured, he obtained the promises. God says, now imitate those who through faith and patience. Well, bless God, I tried that for a week and it didn't work one lick. It's going to take more than just trying it for a week, a month, a year. This doesn't work for the triers. Well, I believed God. I believed God and it just didn't work. Okay, either you're a liar or God's a liar. Everybody smile. (laughs) Guess who we're going to go with? You're the liar, not God. God's Word always works. If it doesn't work in my life, it's not God, it's me. Psalms 105, it says that the Word of God tried Joseph. You think of this. It tried Joseph until it came to pass. It It tried Joseph. In other words, he had a dream on the inside of him. And it wasn't God doing this to him. He went through one destructive thing after the other destructive thing, but he never let go of what God had placed in his heart. He was holding on to his confession until when? Till the end. He was holding on to his thought process, making it correctly, until when? Till the end. He chose to believe God for how long? Until the end. When he went into the pit, he kept believing God. When he went into the palace, he kept believing God. When he went to prison, he kept believing God. When he was falsely accused, he kept believing God. 17 years, he stayed patient. 17 years, he kept enduring. 17 years, he kept his thinking right, his heart right, his mouth right, until the end. And then one day, he went from the pit all the way to the palace. He went from prison to the palace, and one day he obtained the promise. The dream became a reality because he held on until when? Until the end. Until it's done. How long are we going to believe God? Until it's done. How long am I going to keep confessing God's Word? Until it's done. How long am I going to praise when I don't feel like praising? Until it's done. How long am I going to keep working at it? Until it's done. How long am I going to get back into the ring and get back into the game day in and day out? Until it's done. Until what's done? That thing that God has promised you, that dream that God has placed in your heart, that gifting, that work that you're discovering, you stay planted until it's done. Stay planted until you become. Stay planted where you're called and created to be Until it's done. Say, until it's done. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. It says, Do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence, for it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. For you have need of steadfast patience and endurance, so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God, and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. Notice he said, after you don't throw away your your confidence that you have need of steadfast patience and endurance. So after we've done the will of God, what do we need? We need patience. 
Not just faith, but we need patience. Not just faith, but we need endurance. Not just faith, but we need steadfastness. Not just faith, but we need long-tempered. Not just faith, we need faith and patience until the end. We need faith, patience, diligence till how long? Till the end. Until it manifests, we need faith, patience, and diligence. Energetic. Not apathetic. We're all in. We're early. We're going after God. Go to Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6, it says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Him. So, so notice the first part. So we, we saw in, in Hebrews 10, 35, 36, how, okay, we need our confidence after we've done the will of God. We need to endure how long? Until the end. It rolls right over into Hebrews chapter 11. It talks to us about Enoch, how Enoch was dedicated, and because of his dedication to God, that he was and then he was not. Then we go into verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Impossible to please God. How many of us want to please God? So faith is not an option. Faith is mandatory. Well, where does faith come from? Well, in the beginning, faith, faith is a gift. Hebrew, I mean, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith. Through faith. Romans 12, 3 says to every one of us, Is dealt the measure of faith. But then Romans 10, 17 says, Now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So if I want to take this measure of faith, Jesus tells us it's the God kind of faith that He places on the inside of us. And He says, with this faith, this trust, this confidence, you're going you're gonna to please God. He says, it's impossible to please Him without faith. Romans 1, 17 says, The just shall live by faith. So we come into the kingdom of God by faith. We're dealt the measure of faith. He says, now it's impossible to please God without faith. So we should learn some stuff about faith. Faith is not Baptist or Methodist or cowboy or biker. Faith is, is, is the DNA of God. It's the portion of God's faith. He says, now if you want this to grow and you want it to multiply... Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So if you want to elevate your faith concerning phys your physical body, whether maybe it's you're receiving healing in your body, you get healing scriptures, and you listen. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. If it's, if it's finances, if you're needing to increase financially, you get God's Word on finances. You hear what God's Word says about finance. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. But faith is not just hearing. Faith is also now doing something with what you hear. James chapter 2, verse 17, verse 20, it says, Faith without works, it's dead. It's inactive. It's, it's not alive. It's, it's inoperative. Faith without works is dead. So he says, All right, it's impossible to please God without faith. How many of us want to please God? Every one of us, right? He says, okay... It's impossible to please God without faith, but those who come to God must, must believe that He is. So we probably could go around, you could go into most churches, most, most people believe that He is. He's creator of heaven and earth. He is. He's, he's, he is. He's almighty. He's all-present. He's all-powerful, right? We, we all agree He is. Most of us agree that He is, but then don't, don't stop there. He goes on, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. 
So not only is it important we must believe that He is, we also must believe that He's a rewarder. He's a rewarder. He is a, he's a rewarder of healing your body. He's a rewarder of wisdom in your circumstance. He's a rewarder of financial increase. He is a rewarder of His promises. He is a rewarder. He says, so those who diligently, passionately, with energy, with enthusiasm, they're not late, they're not lazy, they're not lax, they're not slothful, they're not apathetic, they're all in. Say, they're all in. When they come to God and they're seeking God, we must believe that He is. He's everything I need Him to be, but He's also the rewarder of them who diligently seek Him. He is a rewarder. We should expect the rewards to hear God's voice. That's a reward. Do you know that? Yes. We should expect the reward of God's presence in our life. You know that is a reward to experience the presence of God? It is a reward when God reveals His healing power. It's a reward when He blesses you financially. It is a reward for our kids to be healthy, our bodies to be healthy, our eyes to work, our ears to work. It's a reward. We should expect rewards when it comes to seeking God diligently. And let's keep going. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, now this just rolls over. Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith. It's talking about how all these people did all these great exploits um, through their faith in God. Now, verse... 1 of Hebrews 12, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Notice he said this, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance. Let us run with endurance. Let us run with patience. Let us run with steadfastness. Let us run with long temper. Let us run with some gumption about us. That's Johnson paraphrase, of course. Let, let, us, let us run our race, not somebody else's race. You've seen it that when you're watching the Olympics and stuff, you know, the runners that sprint, they all have on the gold chains and the, you know, their, their watches and everything like that. But you don't see the long-distance runners with all that stuff on. Why? Because it doesn't, it's not very heavy whenever you're running short distances, but if you go miles, eventually every part matters. Right? And he's saying, okay, the thing that might be holding you down, he says, let's lay it aside. And let us run our race with endurance. Let us run our race until our race is over. Let us run our race and believe God until when? Until it's done. Let's keep believing God for how long? Until it's done. Let's keep declaring God's Word for how long? Until it's done. Let's keep working at it until when? Until it's done. Until it's done. Don't you back off of what you're believing God for. Don't you back off of what God has placed on the inside of you. Until it's done. God didn't put it in there to frustrate you. He's not a, a torture up there just going, Oh man, this is frustrating the crud out of them. Are you seeing this, Jesus? I mean, whoa, look at them. They are so frustrated. <laughs> But that's what we think a lot of times. Oh my gosh, what God doing to me? He is not doing nothing. He wants us to get it. Right. He wants us to overcome. He wants us to obtain the promises. He wants us to flourish. He wants us to come up in our thinking and our belief. He wants us to overcome. When life throws life stuff at us, He wants us to overcome. Amen. He wants us to grow. Yeah. He Say, He wants me, he wants me. To, obtain the promises. to obtain the promises. But it's going to take diligence, it's going to take faith, it's going to take patience. Let's keep going in verse 2, Hebrews 12, 2. And it says that Jesus, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher and the developer of our faith. Looking unto Jesus. So if you're running your race, I want you to picture this, and Jesus is getting hard for you to see. 
If it's getting hard for you to hear His voice, then there's something weighing you down. Because He's already He's setting the pace for us. He's setting the pace. He's already come. He's already run the race. He's already won. He's already proven the Word of God. The Word of God always works. The Word of God is always, always, always works. And He says, now keep looking. And it might not look like it's working, but He says, keep looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Keep looking unto Jesus. No matter how bad it gets, keep looking unto Jesus. Keep looking. Keep, keep looking unto the promise. Keep looking unto what the Spirit of God is saying. Keep looking unto the way that God sees you. God sees us free and delivered and healed and whole and restored. He says, keep looking. Remember in Mark chapter 5, Jairus, his daughter was dying. And he goes and, and he had the faith to go and ask Jesus to come and heal his daughter. And what happened? Because of his faith, Jesus went with him. Riding along the journey, Jesus is going with Jairus. They're going to go to his house, pray for his daughter. Well, this lady stops Jesus on the way. The one with the issue of blood, she'd been in this condition 12 years. she get Jesus' attention. And can you imagine Jairus? He's a person just like us. And don't you know he's having to work his patience? Right? I mean, think about working patience out. People say all the time, well, man, bless God, you know, don't, don't ask God for patience. There's no telling what will what, what happen to you. That's dumb. Don't say that again. Okay, that's just dumb. That's ignorance. That's In this world, we're going to have plenty of opportunities to work our patience. But patience is already in us. It's a part of the reborn spirit. It's, it's in us. And so we have to work it out. So when you're in traffic, you can either flip your lid or you can flex your, your, your patience muscles. When somebody is going slow in front of you at the checkout line or you're, what, you're, trying, you're in a hurry and you're doing something and... We just smile. You want to throw something at them or you want to help them move along. Right? That's an opportunity to work our patience. Because we don't have any more faith than we do patience. We don't have any more faith than we do patience. Through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. So you can have all the scriptures that you want, but if we don't have patience connected to it, and we flip out over every little bitty thing, it unplugs our faith. Now, have we all missed it? We believe in God for something? We've all missed it, right? We've all blown our top. We've all said things we shouldn't have said. We've all got uptight. We've just say, everybody's smiling to say, Ooh, I'm not the only one. You know, there's four of you that said the rest of your life. <laughs> so, so what do you do when you mess up? What do you do when you blow it? You've been believing God for three months about something. You've been doing good. And what happens if you just blow off the top and you just become a turd? What do you do? What do you do whenever you, you and your spouse have a fight? What do you do whenever you, you lose it at work? What, what do you do? You ask God to forgive you. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, He says He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And if I truly believe God's Word, then I act like I'm forgiven. His mercies are new every day, so act like His mercies are new every day. God is always watching over His Word to perform it. Act like He's watching over His to perform it. He said He separates my sin as far as the east is from the west. Act like He separated the sin from me. Act like it. If I believe it, I'll act like it until it's done. I'll, I'll act like His blood covers me. I'll act like Jesus is at the right hand of the Father praying for me. I'll act like I still have the name of Jesus. I'll act like my God is merciful and gracious to me. I'll act, get back in the game and get, get back into your position 
until it's done. Pick it back up. Pick up what you're believing God for. Pick back up your thinking. Pick back up your words. Pick back up your heart. Get the condemnation off, the shame off. Get back in the game until it's done. We need you to be everything God has called and created you to be. But it's going to take some faith, some patience, some diligence, some endurance, some steadfastness until it's done. Say, until it's done. See, Jesus, He was a finisher. He was a finisher. I'm so thankful that he just, he just didn't get halfway in his race and think, man, heck with you guys, I'm out. This is hard. You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying until, I mean, he's sweating drops of blood. And what did he do? He asked Peter, James, and John to pray with him. He said, guys, just pray with me for one hour. Just, just one hour. You got one hour? He comes back, they're sleeping. What the heck are you doing? <laughs> one hour. One hour. And he goes back, he prays again. He says, Lord, if this cup can pass by... Let it, let it pass by, but not my will, your will be done. I'm so thankful that he didn't get in there and he's, in, he's by himself, he's praying in the garden and he sees Ben comes up in his mind or Trey comes up in his mind or Jason comes up in his mind and he says, boy, this is too hard, I'm out, boys. Or when he's, when he's carrying the cross and he's up there and he's hanging on the cross. I'm so glad that whenever he had blood running down his head and out his hands and out his feet and out his side, he didn't say, heck with y'all, I'm out, this is too hard. No, for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is forever sitting at the right hand of God. I'm so glad that He went until the end, until it was done. He took our sins. Until it was done, He went all the way. How far did He go? All the way. How far did He go all the way to the cross? How far did He go all the way to hell for you and I? So we didn't have to go to hell. How far did He go? All the way back to the right hand of the Father. What's He doing right now? Praying for you and I until when? He's not going to stop until it's done. Amen. If He's going until it's done, don't you think we owe Him to do something until it's done? But no, we want it to be convenient. And we want it on our terms. And bless God, the preacher went over 30 minutes, stick a sock in his mouth. Shut up, will you? And we wonder why there's not power in our churches. We wonder why we don't see the blind eyes open, the deaf ears open. We, we, we wonder why we don't see limbs grow back because we're offended. And bless God, I wish He'd be quiet. He's going on so long. I have a hard week ahead. And you think of what Jesus did. He did it until it was done. Willing to stay in the game until it's done. Willing to develop ourselves until it's done. Willing to praise until it's done. Willing to forgive seven times seventy in the same day over the same sin until it's done. Amen. What am I willing to do until it's done? Until it's done. Jesus was a finisher. You and I are created to be finishers. Until it's done. Until that dream that's in you, until it's done. Until that promise you're holding on to, until it's done. Say, until it's done. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. We're getting ready to be done. You're doing a great job. Ecclesiastes 7 verses 8 through 10. See, diligence stays with it until when? Until it's done. Ecclesiastes 7 verses 8 through 10 the Amplified. It says, better is the end of a thing than the beginning of it. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. He says, Do not be quick in spirit to be angry or vexed, for anger and vexation lodge in the bosom of fools. Say, that's not me. Do not say, Why were the old days better than these? For it is not wiser or because of wisdom that you ask this. He says, verse 8, Better is the end of a thing than the beginning of it. 
the patient in spirit better than the proud in spirit. Then he goes down and says, don't you say that the old days are going to be better than what's ahead of you. Don't you say, well, bless God, them older. I mean, in the good old days, boy, I mean, we were picking and grinning, just smiling, everything, just peachy keen. He says, don't you say that the good old days, the best days are behind you. Everything that God does is ahead of us. Proverbs 4.18 says, the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter and brighter. What was he saying? I don't care where you're at or what you're going through. The best is ahead of you, not behind you. He says, it's foolish for you to say the best is behind me. The best is ahead of us. We should expect our marriages to get better. We should expect our physical bodies to get better. We should expect things to happen better for us, more faithful more opportunity, better. Say better. better. He says, don't say this. Don't, don't you say it. It's going to get better for us. Things are going to get better for us. Things are things that we're going to overcome more. We're going to be stronger. We're going to be quicker. We're going to be sharper. Say it's going to get better. It's going to get better. God is a restoring God. God is a healing God. God is a mending God. God wants to put His super on our natural. He wants it to get better. But it's going to take faith in order to bring it from the unseen to the seen. We've got to start expecting for things to get better. 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 Say better. Better. Expect it to get better. James chapter 1. James chapter 1 verse 2, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Say patience. patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I want to read it again just because it's so good. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, I used to look at that scripture when I first got saved. This is on the next to the last page if you're looking for it there. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 at the bottom of the page. Oh, they do? Okay. Well, just, just listen up then. Oh, it's the previous page? Okay, apologize about that. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. My, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, when I would see that, I would think, now, come on, how, how do you do that? I mean, I'm getting my tail kicked in life here, and he's telling me to count it joyful? Well, well what he's saying, we just don't flip on a switch and be like the Pil Pillsbury Doughboy. Remember those commercials? <laughs> you know. No, no, joy comes from our relationship with God and what we're doing on a daily basis. That's why Paul commanded Timothy. He says, Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, you can read it in your own time. He says, I command you to learn how to enjoy life. Because when you're enjoying your family, when you're enjoying doing what you're created to do, when you're enjoying the little things, you're, you're, it's ministering to your soul. And so whenever you get into a pressured situation, you can draw upon that joy that you know what it's like to be thankful. You, you think about, okay, I once was lost, but now I'm found. You, you think about how merciful God has been to you. You think about how gracious God has been to you. And you, you think about that my eyes work and my ears work and I have clothes. And, and thank you, Lord, that I have food. And, and you learn just joy. You begin to thank God for little things. Joy rises up on the inside of you. And he says, when you're in the middle of that trial, when you have the right focus, you can lean into your joy. Isaiah 12 says you draw the joy out of the wells of salvation. You draw it up and that joy, Nehemiah 10, of the Lord is your strength. It's your strength. It, it gives you strength when you shouldn't have strength. It gives you strength when it looks like all hell is coming against you. It gives you strength to keep stepping when you don't want to keep stepping. 
He says, count it all joy when you encounter various trials. Notice what he says right here. He goes on. He says, knowing, knowing, not guessing, not wishing, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Lacking nothing means until it's done. That I'm going to keep believing God. Because see, faith, faith receives from God. But, but patience keeps what it's received. So, and Mark, you can look at this in your own time. Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 24, Jesus says, okay, this is what faith looks like. Faith looks like a person who is going to speak against the problem. Then in verse 23, 24, he says, Then whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive, and you'll have it. So faith, resist anything that kills, steals, and destroys. Resist the problem. Resist the obstacle. Resist to say resist. But it also receives from God. So faith resists from the enemy and receives from God. But once you receive what you, you've prayed about, you've got God's Word, you've got God's promise, what He said, you take it into your heart, you're praying about it, then faith, uh, faith receives it, patience keeps it. Where you stay patient, you keep enduring, you stay steadfast, you keep thinking God's promise, saying God's promise, believing God's promise, praising God for His promise. I don't care how long I have to stand, I'm going to stand until it's done. I don't care how long I have to keep thinking on God's Word, I'm going to do it until it's done. I don't care how long I have to keep declaring God's Word, I'm going to do it until... Till it's done. I'm going to do it until it's done. How, how long do I have to do it? Until it's done. Until it's done. It says, I want to see this same diligence in all of you. I want to see this same energy. I, want, I don't want you just to get in and be excited and be fired up. And a week later, I mean, you're like a dudded firecracker. He said, I don't want you, I don't want you just to get in the game. It's easy for us to start stuff. Right? Okay, we, we say this prayer, we get saved, glory to God, we're on fire, and, and things don't work out like we thought they were going to work out the first week, and we throw our sucker in the dirt, and we're out. That's weak. It's exactly right. It's weak. We, when it, it, <laughs> ben, don't you do that to me. You, say, you know what's weak for us, really? Because the enemy is a liar. You know that he is a liar. That's all he knows how to do is lie. I mean, he just lies. It ain't going to happen. Never going to happen. It's too hard. It's too difficult. You'll never have the money. You'll never never have the right relationships. It's never going to happen. Don't you remember how you screwed up last week? It's never going to happen. Your business is not going to turn around. You know, things aren't going to work out. It's not going to happen. He is a liar. So when you hear things like that, say, liar. Everybody just practice that. Liar. Liar. Not to your spouse, but to the enemy. He is a liar. He is a liar. That's who he is. He's a liar. And you have to identify the lie. But it's weak when we bow down and let him kick the crud out of us. It's weak when we screw up and we don't get back in the game. That's weak when we stay on the bench. God doesn't need you on the bench. He needs you in the game. It's weak when we get our feelings hurt. Well, bless the Lord, they didn't smile at me at church today. Bless the Lord, I didn't get to sit in that seat. I like that seat over there. Who do they think they are? That's weak. That is weak. You Say, that's weak. It takes a lot of strength to live God's Word. Do you know that? Anybody can act like a Fruit Loop out there. 
But anybody can spin off and just cuss and rage and I mean, but whenever you control your mouth and you're going, mm, and your flesh is screaming and you hold on to it, and, mm, and even if you do blow up, but the next day you get back in the game and you keep stepping, that takes a lot of strength. It takes a lot of strength to go from who you used to be to who God has created us to be. And that's who we are. We're not weaklings. We're not wieners. We're, we're winners. Right? Not wieners. Winners. Winners. God has created us to be winners in life. Winners. What does a winner look like? Winner looks like you being the best you can be. Winner doesn't look like you being somebody else. It looks like you being your best. So uh, this is what I want us to do. Because I know there has been a, a promise or a dream or whatever the case may be that was in your heart at one point in time. You know God shared something with you or a scripture jumped out at you. But because it got hard, you quit. Or because things didn't work out or it took too long, you quit believing God for it. Or you, you, tried, you tried tithing for a little bit. And remember, we don't try things. We either do or we don't. Right. I, 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 I tried to forgive. We either do or we don't. I tried to smile. I tried to joy the Lord my strength, but I hit that guy right in the nose. Amen. What we do, we get right back in the game. Right? <laughs> Some of you are going, how did he know? Was he watching me the other day? <laughs> But God wants us to pick back up the promises. God wants us to pick back up that thing that God placed in your heart. You're still breathing, and you are because you're in here. It's not too late for God to restore every area of our life. It's not too late for us to be everything God's called and created us to be. It's not too late for our marriages to be what God has called and created them to be. It's not too late for us to be the husbands, the wives, the business leaders. It's not too late for us to believe God's Word until it's done. It's not too late. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? I, I, want, I, want, us just to, I want us to focus on the Lord for a moment. And Father, I ask you just to recall... That dream, I ask you to recall. That promise, I ask you to recall. The plan, that maybe they started out like a house of fire, just believing you and praising you, and their mind was sharp and their heart was full of faith. But over time, they just they, they, they dwindled. They, they, they gave out. But Father, tonight is the night that we receive forgiveness and we get back in the game and we stir up that dream, we stir up that destiny, we stir up our purpose, we stir up the gift on the inside of us, we stir it up in the name of Jesus. And Father, I say You are faithful to watch over Your Word to perform it, that You are faithful to complete what You started on the inside of us, that You are faithful to finish, to finish in us what you desire. And that we are diligent to finish. We're diligent to believe until the end. We're diligent to declare your word until the end. We're diligent to praise you until the end. So this is what I'd like you to say. Say, Father God, I ask you to forgive me for quitting, for throwing in the towel, for being weak, and right now, I receive your strength, I receive your forgiveness, and I pick it up again. 
and I'm going to hold on to my confidence until the end. I'm going to hold on to my confession of faith until the end. I'm going to keep praising you until the end. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep running. I'm going to keep doing what you've created me to do until the end. Until it's done. Complete. Finish. I'm diligent and I seek you. And I expect rewards, strength, healings, blessings, wholeness, opportunity, increase, victory in my life. In my life, I obtain the promises. I lay hold of the promises. In Jesus' name, Amen.